Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of our podcast. Today, we are talking Google searches for Bitcoin up the highest since November. We have Elon Musk confirming automated Teslas will make you some money. That's right. And then finally, in the main topic, we're discussing the future of NFTs. That's right. Non-fungible tokens. It's the next wave, baby. And we have Zachary Burns from Mindable App to talk all about it through a podcast starting now. and welcome back to Thriller Crypto, baby. Woo, Thriller Crypto sounds so good. Sounds so good, good. No, I'm just kidding. No, seriously. Welcome back to Thriller Podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for hanging around. Gosh, the entire market looks amazing right now. And we have a f- fucking stellar episode today. Seriously. Like Zachary is going to blow your mind on non-fungible tokens. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking around. I'm serious. He's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, where do I get me these NFTs? Where can I go? We're going to talk all about that in the main topic, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. But first up, we're going to talk some Google. That's right. Google searches for Bitcoin hit highest since November. What's going on? Okay, well, trading back above 5,000, like we are right now, there's more eyes on the world. The entire world is looking at crypto right now, and they're concerned with Bitcoin. Because the last time they heard this was Bitcoin was at 20,000. That was in 2017, 2018, and it just crashed. Everybody thought it was a bubble. Everybody went away. Well, Google Trend data reveals that the spike in searches was single-handedly achieved on April 2nd when the price of the cryptocurrency surged nearly 20% in a single hour. (laughs) Yeah, it was the highest price since November 19th of last year. And Google Trends are usually right on. So... If we look at the amount of worldwide Bitcoin searches, it reached 90% of what it was on November 20th. And you can see a graph and it shows it skyrocketing on Tuesday as investors, traders and media, CNBC (laughs) and the alike were searching for reasons as to why Bitcoin's price surged. No one could figure it out. No one looks (laughs) at this space day to day like we do and like you do. And they don't know what's going on. Well, Google's data further reveals that the largest amount of searches on April 2nd and April 3rd were from St. Helena, Netherlands, South Africa, Nigeria, Austria, pretty much in that order. The U.S. and Canada and U.K. did not crack the top 10, of course. But the significance of a spike in Bitcoin searches may seem trivial right now. It may seem trivial, but studies have shown there is a connection between the price of the cryptocurrency and its search interest. And these core findings suggest periods of low search volume tend to precede large markups in price that coincide with Bitcoin's famous or perhaps infamously wild market cycles. It's pretty interesting data. I know in the early days, we used to always look at the Google searches just to find out what was the next big altcoin. And you can kind of predict them that way too. It's pretty interesting. There's a lot of data around it. Um, Check out our Telegram. And there used to be somebody that was, gosh, I don't remember his name, but there used to be somebody that would always talk about that all the time. They would look at the Google searches. Um, Anyways, on to our next piece of news. All right. Have you ever thought about making money on the side? Not with like cryptocurrency, but like with your car 
or your Tesla if you have one. If you're a Bitcoin, if you're a Bitcoin hodler from 2012, I'm sure you do have a Tesla because you're probably a Bitcoin bazillionaire. But, <laughs> but Elon Musk has become one of those most uh, charismatic individuals, as they say, in the technology sector. And he has been playing around with Dogecoin and he's mentioned Bitcoin in the past and uh, Ethereum and other other different kind of ways of uh, enticing us that he is dipping his toes into this whole cryptocurrency space. But it turns out uh, somebody's uh, kind of caught on to this general purpose uh, for which will probably benefit Tesla owners all over the world. So check this out. So there was a Twitter user or disgruntled Tesla user taken to Twitter <laughs> said he was wondering why the camera in his Tesla was operating without it being used with sentry mode on at the time. And given the whole privacy concerns around, you know, in the entire world these days, it is evident in such a situation can quickly spark a major controversy. Well, it seemed the purpose of this camera is a lot less worrisome than most people think or what he originally anticipated. And it turns out this camera will indeed serve a genuine purpose, which will benefit Tesla owners all over the world. In due time, according to Elon Musk tweet, he said, it's there for when we start competing with Uber and Lyft and people allow their car to earn money for them as part of the Tesla shared autonomy fleet. In case someone messes up your car, you can check the video. Eh, well, it seems that this autonomous fleet is part of this car fleet and it's crucial. And in theory, it's possible for Tesla owners to make money with their car. <laughs> and although these cars are not quite equipped yet to make this flip here pretty quickly, uh, Musk did confirm that the software for this specific purpose is being developed and will still require regulatory approval first and foremost, but that bridge will be crossed in due time. And of course, this hit the crypto you know, uh, news publications and we started speculating, is this the IoT <laughs> of the world coming into place where machines make money for humans or machines make money for themselves? The thing that the thing that Andreas always talks about, right? This machine economy where you this your your automobile makes more money than you do on its spare time or stuff that you have that you don't use in a decentralized way can be used by others and you makes you money. And this is exactly what we are looking at here, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this is totally far off into the future. But the fact that Musk is thinking about this is pretty bullish for cryptocurrency because there's one thing that crypto is good at. It's very small microtransactions with very little cost, right? Okay, and our last piece of news, Ethereum Classic pumps 20% following imminent Atlantis network upgrade. Now, we know the most successful crypto this year in 2019 has been Litecoin, right? We know that's up 2x from earlier in January. But according to an April 7th tweet, Ethereum Classic stated that community-wide meeting was held among their network participants discussing the ECIP-1054 upgrade. Now, they said, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be out there participating to kickstart discussions on this proposed network upgrade. It's nicknamed Atlantis. <laughs> According to the post, the proposed hard fork would be performed on block number, get ready, get your pen and paper out, 8750000 dollars on the ETC mainnet, the posting concluded by stating that all proposal rules have agreed upon by the parties concerned, which include core devs, miners, node operators, and other ETC ecosystem participants. Further discussions regarding the Atlantis upgrade would carry on in the following days and months ended the post. However, the ETC community responded positively. 
because whenever somebody hears fork in crypto, there's always a massive bullish wave. <laughs> so according to this data coming from Coindesk, it looks like it bumped up to $6.12 on April 4th, and then it was bought down to $5.45, followed by a market correction a day later. And according to today, it looks like we are a family and we are at $7.65. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there's just a fervor, a fever really surrounding network upgrades. We saw this happen to Zcash, uh, to Tezos, to Ethereum earlier this year. Like uh, the fact that there's a happening for Litecoin later, it's showing right now and it's just going to continue to go up just because there's a happening. Um, most of this stuff usually is uh, premature when, when it finally does um like for this, for example, this is going to be on um, what date did they give it for? Did they give a date on this? No, they didn't give a date on this yet. But when they do give a date, it's usually like two or three weeks before. That's when it's like, boom, that's when you'll see everything just fall off. Uh, same thing with happenings. You'll see everything fall off like a month before. Um, so you, you always want to make sure that you get in early. Right. Of course. And then you always want to make sure you get out. You don't want to be too greedy with a lot of this stuff. But uh, we'll see how this works out. I mean, the trading volume is the highest it's ever been, accounting for 8.7% of the global trade, which is pretty big for ETC uh, and USD trading pairs. But um, it's pretty spread out for other exchanges as well, including LBank, Bitforex, Coinio, and Digifinex. So, yeah, that's pretty much all the news today. There's really a lot more that we need to cover, but that's going to be in your Thriller News right after this episode. So with that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. Let's do it. Thriller Podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for an interesting video of the day. <laughs> no, I'm just so excited. You know, it's been a while since we've done a interesting video of the day on Thriller Crypto on this podcast. So let's dive into it. This one's a pretty good one. Have you ever wondered what Vitalik did on his spare time? What about what you what do you think about decentralization? Do you think Bitcoin and Ethereum are decentralized enough? Or do you think that uh, something like Tron is more decentralized than Bitcoin or Ethereum? Like, what are your thoughts on this? You ever wonder what Vitalik thinks about this? Well, me too. And uh, it looks like Abra founder Bill Barnhart sat down with Vitalik Buterin to talk about all this stuff and more. Check it out. Is there a central off switch, mm -hmm. right? And two, can I stop the developers from mm -hmm. actually contributing to this decentralized thing that has no central off switch. So I think about BitTorrent as kind of the first project that, that passed the litmus test for me where you couldn't really stop either. The government's tried, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that we've achieved that with Bitcoin and Ethereum where there's no centralized, there's no central off switch that would allow you to really shut, shut it off and that you couldn't really stop the developers from contributing if governments didn't like what they were doing? Yeah, actually, uh, I am not worried about the the blockchain being kind of shut off from a development side because, like, first of all, there's lots of people running nodes, and mm -hmm. uh, even if the developers just all go poof in a puff of smoke, then people can just keep on running the same client version forever. Sure, but with the bugs S that they had before, right? Yes, and then if bugs come up, then you know there could be new develop uh, new developers that would kind uh, of pop in, and like right. it will take longer to fix, but it would still get fixed. Second. 
Um, in Ethereum, we've taken really great care to ensure that there are multiple implementations of this of the protocol that people actively mm. use. Yep. So in Ethereum 1.0, we have uh, Geth, the Goa version, and Parity, which is this independently developed version in Rust. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there are others that people people use them less, but you know people could start using them more. For Serenity, so this is the um, upgrade that adds in uh, proof-of-stake and sharding, that's gone up to something like eight implementations, and there's like eight different uh, companies that are working on implementations, like one in Python, one in Rust, one, one or two in Java, and a couple of others, one in NIM. Yeah. So that basically means that even if one development team kind of goes down, the others can keep going. Now, I think shutting down is not the only risk you need to be worried about. The other risk you need to be worried about is capture. Mm -hmm. So can Define a, capture. Yeah, so basically, can a small group of actors kind of gain enough power inside the decision-making process to ensure that like basically things go their way and especially if their way might not be aligned with the way that you know the community of the blockchain actually sure. wants or a simple attack and something yeah similar, right? yeah well the exact kind of attack depends on what your exact mechanism is so sure. like, for example if you have a community where the religion is that 51 percent hash power decides then you can just totally break and capture it by getting 51 percent of the hash power sure if uh you have something where some small group of developers decide then you can like either be one of the uh, one of those developers and kind of get a cabal together and or in or even just kind of create an ideological orthodoxy that this is the way to do things right i mean or you you could try to kind of join this group over time. You could even try to kind of hire them as a company. You could try to influence them in a bunch of sure. ways. But a fifty one percent attack, in, in, in at least to the usefulness of a of a network for Abra, is almost the same thing as having an off switch because at that point mm -hmm. the network is, is no longer useful. Well, there's different kinds of fifty one percent attacks, right? So, like for example, you can do a fifty one percent attack that just makes the blockchain break. But I can also do a 51% attack that censors all transactions, except for those transactions uh, where the transaction fee is at least $100. Yeah. And if I do the second one, then that's something that makes the blockchain still kind of useful. And maybe people will just keep on paying the $100 and it'll be super profitable for me. Right. Fascinating. So, so do you, are you convinced that we've reached the point where either a 51% attack or just some kind of like government collusion to shut off the networks is just is just no longer possible specifically for ethereum i think like if governments colludes to try to bring the network down they could probably probably do it and uh, in developers would uh, have to kind of actively fight back and keep trying to make different network protocols and so forth and that's right. something that would just kind of keep on happening um I mean, fight off government attacks without active developers, I think realistically we're totally not there yet. Yeah. And then it'll probably take much longer. Right, right, mm. right. Probably another podcast or video mm. uh, session. Mm. Fascinating topic. I love that topic. I think that the libertarian in me wants a fully decentralized network, but mm. I also realize that you know we're, we're getting there in, in very yeah. logical yeah. steps that also have to safeguard the value of what people are using the mm -hmm. network for in the first place along the way. Um, so this has been kind of a heavy conversation. Maybe just like uh, we can close it out by lightening up a bit. So do you, uh, I'm curious, do you have like hobbies outside of, uh, of Ethereum? Do you read Do you read a lot? Yeah, I, I definitely do read. I yeah. uh, try reading books just like during those times when I'm either like 
traveling or someplace where I can't be productive on something else. What are, what are you, what I mean, are you doing? Right reading? now I'm going through uh, Jane Jacobs' The Death and Life of Great American Cities. Yeah, so you just like to stay with the heavy stuff, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, I, g I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely try kind of mixing my entertainment with like learning or keeping up my German or like weird things like that. Yeah, awesome. And the lighter thing I do is probably going on walks. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're, a, you're a hiker? Yeah. Yeah, he actually goes into a lot more. I'll put a link in the show notes. Really interesting episode. He's been making the rounds on everywhere as of late, um, spreading the gospel of Ethereum and what they're building. Um, so, it, yeah, really cool stuff, really interesting stuff. And there's a lot of podcasts out there with Vitalik talking about where the future of Ethereum is going for the rest of the year and into next year. Um, yeah, I... I wish I wish somebody would talk to him more candidly. I feel like there's a lot of uh, interviews that I've seen with Vitalik, and it's usually the same stuff. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever actually gotten to the core of what makes this guy tick and uh, what his um, just kind of like what his passion for cryptography really is. Um, yeah, he's a brilliant mind, and I, gosh, I wish he would come on the show. I feel like I could really pick out his brain a lot more than others. <laughs> and I'm not just being uh, just like a ego thing. I feel like there's just not a lot of great questions asked to Vitalik. Uh, anyways, if you guys, anybody knows him out there, tell him to come on the show. Carl wants to talk to him. All right, with that, let's get into coin talk, baby. Woo, let's do it. It is time. Only crypto, coins, trades, predictions ahead. Is what you spend all day wondering, isn't it? This crypto dream only on Coin Top. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Coin Talk, my favorite part of the day, your favorite part of the day, especially when we're up. We're up like today, you know, uh, but before we jump into that, I got a couple things I want to get off my chest. As they say, feel free to skip over this part. If you want to go straight to the main topic, I don't blame you. Or if you want to go straight to coin talk, <laughs> make sure you listen to that disclaimer, though, because that disclaimer is for real. Ladies and gentlemen, it's for real. SEC is taking this seriously. Um, no, I just want to say uh, thanks to everybody who listens to the show. I appreciate you. Thanks to everybody who participates in our Telegram. I appreciate you. Thanks to everybody who was a patron who's not a patron anymore because Patreon closed our account. Uh, I do appreciate you. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for all the donations. Thanks for all the high fives. Uh, thanks for all the tweets. Thanks for everything. I appreciate you so much. Uh, I just want to say that uh, we haven't decided where we're going to go next. I think... I think we're just gonna keep this motherfucker independent, you know. <laughs> like, I feel, I feel like there's really not a platform built right now for thriller crypto in in, in this ecosystem. There's a couple of good ideas out there, and I I, I want to jump on them. I just want to next thing I want to jump on as a platform for us. I want it to be our last thing that we jump on. Uh, so right now we're gonna stay independent. I do want to let you guys know that. April and May is the last two months of Thriller Crypto. We are going to go to season three, baby. That's right. Upgrade to season three. <laughs> Not a downgrade because second season was definitely better than the first season. Season three will probably be way better than the second season. We'll probably have to go back <laughs> and not not like not like go back. But I mean, like we'll go back into like 
uh, into some of those nuggets of, uh, of the first season and pull those out because there's some really good content there. And I feel like now we just need to re revise it. We need to redo them over again because uh, the first season had a lot of good stuff. I feel like I feel like our we were rich content back then. Now the second season feel, feels more like uh, just different. And I feel like the third season, it's going to be completely upgraded. I'm hoping to do some um, some audio upgrades too as well um, and just kind of redo all of that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that break. We're going to be off the entirety of June. So don't look for us in June, but we'll be back in July for July 4th. Our crypto episode like we usually do every year. We do our July 4th crypto episode. So look for the uh, the third annual crypto purge to happen. <laughs> Uh, and then it'll be it'll be right in time because it'll be after consensus uh, in May. So it's usually when there's a law in crypto anyway, it's usually like June, July. Anyway, there's a law and then it doesn't start picking up again until August. It's usually just how it goes in the season. Um, so, yeah, look for that. Uh, what else do I have to say? I think that's all I got to say. There's really nothing else to say. I do. I do want everybody else to know that. Um, this year has been one of the funnest years when it comes to crypto for me. I feel like there's just a lot of interesting projects. We're meeting a lot of interesting people wanting to come on the show. And like today we have Zach on the show and he's freaking phenomenal, right? Like he's building out the future and it's cool just to talk to him. And uh, I feel like there's a lot more people out there that want to come on the show. And um, if you want to be on the second season, then make sure to hit us up before <laughs> Before May, <laughs> before the end of May, because by that, I mean, we're going to go into our third season. And I think our third season is going to be a lot more streamlined. I feel like our second season, we're just wha-pam, wha-pam, one after another. I feel like third season, we're going to get to more of a schedule and it's going to be way more structured, I feel. Um, not in a bad way. I think it's a good way. Anyways, let's get into our disclaimer. We have to play a disclaimer now. I mean, the SEC is uh, on a tear recently. I don't know if you know. But they released some information regarding uh, tokens and how the, it's kind of guidance, uh, like a parent would guide you <laughs> through life. But the, the SEC is guiding you through tokenization and how that works. And uh, they're suggesting these things uh, that will help you avoid getting sued uh, or at least be or getting fined. Right. Uh, and then getting to court and then, you know, getting sued. Anyways, we play the disclaimer because this is just a. A no-go here. After you hear the disclaimer, you'll realize, holy crap, cars shilling the crap out of everything. Yeah, that's why we play the disclaimer. Because after this, I have no filter. There is nothing that will stop me from talking about any cryptocurrency and telling you how I feel. That's why we play the disclaimer, ladies and gentlemen. It's to urge you to take notice. This disclaimer is real. Time to roll Disclaimer. Remember, Thriller's podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. I don't know. I feel like once this becomes more of like a, a bull market, everybody can start telling the future. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. If you go back and listen to like season one, 
I was calling the shit like, boom, one after another, boom, one after another. And then season two, like the first half of season two, just like, just like nothing. Just like there is nothing. I was right on. I was wrong on everything. Uh, I feel like this year I've been very cautious about like giving out, you know, any of my predictions because I don't want to look like a dumbass, (laughs) like a lot of others out there in the space. So I don't really talk about, you know, market price and where I think it's going. But uh, as this kind of this little run up that we've had here recently, uh, this April Bulls run, as they're calling it out there, which is funny because on April Fool's, April Bulls, you get it. Okay, so right now we're at 184 billion. Uh, It was like a few weeks ago, we're at 138 billion. We're literally 40 billion more than we were. I kind of have right now, Bitcoin is at $5,200. I have. why do I want to say this? There's a lot of people that were super negative on Bitcoin uh, and they're just saying, oh, Bitcoin is rat poison square. Bitcoin's this. Bitcoin's that. And what does Bitcoin do? It gives you a roundhouse kick right to the chin <laughs> to all those people. And investing it in Bitcoin. <laughs> and that's Dave Ramsey right there talking shit about Bitcoin. So there's a lot of people that are telling you, don't buy it. It's dead. It's a bubble. Like it's going nowhere. And what was I telling you? What was the vast majority of people that are old school Bitcoin hodlers, old school Bitcoin holders? Like, what were they telling you? They're telling you to buy that shit at 3000, buy that shit at 2800, buy that shit at 3800, buy it, buy it, buy it. And right now it's at 52 and people are complaining because why? Because it's gone up. It's gone up and it's probably not going to go down. But what happens? What happens when this happens, ladies and gentlemen? Well, the natural thing happens where you have these big people that are traders in the space where they don't look at anything else. They don't they don't care about anything else. All they care is about Bitcoin and all they look at is fucking charts all day. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I believe in chart fundamentals. I think it has a, it has a purpose, but it's kind of one piece of that triangle, right? There's a lot more things you got to pay attention to. You got to look at everything, not just charts. If you focus on charts, you're going to get destroyed out there. That's why I don't understand the vast majority just look at charts and try to predict everything. I don't do that. I've never done that and I will never start doing that. Don't get me wrong. I, I love me a good charter person, uh, you know, like Crypto Wendy. I love hearing her give out charts on Twitter and give out charts on her YouTube page. And, and I love listening to her talk about all that stuff. Like, it's fascinating. Right. And I learned so much. Right. But I'm not going to sit there and, you know, focus entirely on the charts and, and look at that as the, you know, the end all be all. And she's not telling you to do that either. So that's why I'm trying to say is you got to look at everything. You got to look at the charts. You got to look at the news. You got to look at a lot of speculation. You got to look at what people in the space are saying, because for the vast majority of us, we understand where we've been and we understand where we're going and we understand what the schedule looks like year to year. Um, so I try to get, I try to get it all. I try to get the whole gamut. Right. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to make a thriller news, because I felt like we have everything in that show. The only thing that we're missing is just a chart person to talk about charts on the daily. And I feel like, you know, maybe third season we can get somebody in to talk charts for that episode. But I feel like this this spot that we are in now, 5200, this is exactly where we should be. Now, I've been saying this for the longest time. Consensus is going to happen in May. 
And I'm not trying to say consensus is the end all be all for everything, but for the vast majority of this crypto space that we're in, consensus is a big fucking deal. <laughs> like it just is, whether we like it or not. DCG owns consensus. They do. They own Coindesk. A lot of the crypto companies in the space come to consensus to talk about the industry. It's an industry-wide conference, and it's the focus point for every year. This is why a lot of people in this space hate consensus. is because it has so much of a big impact for the rest of the year. That's why people boycott it. That's why people do not show up. That's why people don't want to give them the time of day. That's why they don't want to make it feel as important. But the fact of the matter is it's important. And until something comes around and becomes more important than that, it's just going to stay important. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. So what I'm trying to say is consensus is the next fucking end to what we're going to see for the rest of the year. Right now, I guarantee you 100 percent we're going to see a run up to consensus. Right. We will see a run up. I do not foresee Bitcoin going back down to twenty eight hundred or eighteen hundred. You have some people saying in the charts, oh, this can't get past you know, $5,100. I think that's what I heard like two weeks ago. I'm like, what? You know, like, what? Really? What are, you, what are you looking at? Are you just looking at the charts? Are you looking at history? Like, what's going on here? The fact is, the reason we've gone up so much in April is simple. There's been so much great news and we've been covering it every single freaking week since last year when it tanked. Remember remember November of last year just tanked, the whole market tanked. It was bloody, man. It was bad. It, it was very bad. But to me, that looked like people that have the vast majority of crypto in this space decided that, hey, it's going to go down. Let's just let it go down now. So they started pulling and then one after another, like dominoes, everybody else started pulling. And what happened this time around? Well, guess what happened? There's just so much good news that came out of South by in March. There was some so much big news that came out of March. You got Fidelity coming in the space. We have Coindesk making bigger moves. We just gosh, back kind of coming together. Um, there's just so much great news. You know, you can say JP Morgan coin was a bad thing. I would say, no, that's not. It was a good thing because it added more liquidity in the space. Yes, they're using their own private blockchain, but still, it's important because they're recognizing the potential of blockchain, right, of this tech, whether they use it privatized or not. You know, <laughs> no one got mad at AOL for making a closed garden when they did. They were just happy that there was a big company doing that, right? No one got mad for Time Warner buying AOL when they did in the 90s. They were just happy because someone saw and recognized that the Internet was going to be a big thing and they wanted to play in it. So they bought AOL. Time Warner did. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of that going on this year. It was going on last year, too, as well. But no one wanted to hear it because we were in a bear market and everybody had decided as a consensus in the, in the space that we were going down and we needed to correct ourselves. And we need to flush everything out. Of course, everything got flushed out. It really did. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still some, you know, you know, projects in the space that are super shady. and We're starting to see bots show up on Twitter again because, yes, I want to say we are in an upswing here. I wouldn't call it a bull market, but I wouldn't say it's a bear market either. Ladies and gentlemen, at the beginning of the year, I told you we were going to go sideways for the rest of the year. I don't foresee us passing 10K. No, don't get me wrong. I'm being very conservative here. I don't see us for 
surpassing 10K until later this year. I really do. Now, if we go into consensus and we're say say we're still at $5,200 and we ride into consensus, you know, next month and uh, we are sideways like this from 52 to 48 to 44 and we're just going to 56, 57 and then consensus comes around and the whole industry, you know, the uh, CoinDesk invites the SEC and they start talking about how there's still a lot of, you know, exchanges that aren't on you know, regulated or they need to come to us and talk to us. And it just the news is just very bad. Right. Like if the news comes out very bad at consensus in New York, you know, on May, what was it the 12th, 13th, whatever it is, like if the news comes out and, and it's just very bad, then you're going to see the market go down again. You are. You are. It's not going to it's not going to be so easy. But on the flip side, if we go into consensus and we're at 52, 51, 56, somewhere around there, right? Even if we're above six by then, I doubt it, but even if we are, right? If we stay in this kind of range, this, if we're over 4,000 and we're still good in the 52 area, then we go into consensus and it's good news. We had the SEC coming out and say, yeah, we're looking at Bitcoin. Everything looks great. We're looking at the ETFs. Everything looks great. We still want to give it a little bit of time, but as long as it's not bad news, as long as Jay Clayton doesn't say anything like, uh, Ethereum is a security or, you know, Bitcoin's not entirely decent. Like as long as it's not bad news, as long as it stays even keel, then we will see some more sideways action. And that is not a bad thing, ladies and gentlemen. You may say this and be like looking at this and be like, that's a bad thing, car. Sideways is not good. Trust me, if you go back and look at the charts and this is see how I say this. This is one aspect. If you go back and look at the charts in 2015, there was a lot of sideways action. It's completely different now, a completely different space. But if you look at history, you can see that it was sideways for some time. Now, what's going to cause that next run? What's going to pull us in a bull market? I can tell you right now. It's, it's everybody knows. And again, this is not financial advice. That's why I have a disclaimer in the beginning. Everything that I say, you shouldn't trust anything I say right now. You should be going out there and doing your own research. Don't listen to me. But if I'm speculating here and if I have on my speculation hat and if I have to give you an answer right now, I'm going to say the next run is going to be caused by Litecoin. Litecoin in August, when it halves, is going to cause a serious run up. Seriously, it's already 2x. Remember when I was like, yeah, buy Litecoin is at $28. That's a steal. <laughs> well, guess what happened? So $93 today. <laughs> it, it turns out it was a steal back then. <laughs> I mean... This is why I tell you these things when I tell you when they happen, right? It's not because I'm just guessing. It's because these are just common sense stuff, like stuff that we all know. And if you listen to some people that are Bitcoin maximalists, they'll tell you to avoid all altcoins and just to buy Bitcoin. But if you listen to somebody like me who invests in everything in the crypto space and who puts his money in a little bit of baskets for everything, and probably, you know, I would say about 50% of my stash is Bitcoin, right? But for the vast majority, I like to play. I like to play the, the roulette table, as they say, of alts. And I will tell you which ones that I bet on, you know, that will make the jump. And right now, you're, that's why you're seeing all these hard currencies. And when I say hard currencies, I mean the currencies that we know that have a limited supply, that have survived multiple bear markets, that will be around. And that's why I, I am, I'm still bullish on Bitcoin. I'm still bullish on Ethereum. I'm still bullish on Litecoin. I'm still bullish on Stellar. I'm still bullish on Dash. I'm still bullish on Monero. I'm still bullish on ETC, Ethereum Classic. I'm still bullish on Zcash. I'm still bullish 
on some decred. You know, I'm still bullish on some zero X. I don't give a fuck what people say about certain projects. They want to come out and say, oh, that's a scam project or ah, oh, they just made that so they can make some money. The hell with them. <laughs> if that if that scam project that they quote unquote call a scam, if that two X is because they actually have a project that actually is doing something for the space, not just, you know, hanging around trying to survive. If they're out there creating the future. Well, shit, it's going to go two X, baby. That's what I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is some there's some coins in the space right now that are going to be around that are going to make this next jump. There's going to be some that just aren't. And then there's going to be some that are just hanging around because they've always hung around. But I will tell you the hard currencies that I, that I just mentioned, you know, they're going to be around. And those are the ones that I would bet on. And if I want to give you an even bigger kind of speculative guess here, I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you that if everything goes good through consensus and it's more good news and everything looks well and we're all pretty, I'm telling you, we have ETC and Ethereum. They're probably going to 2x here pretty soon. Uh, we have uh, 0x. That's going to 2x here pretty soon. Oh my Go is going to 2x. Tezos is going to half x, I would say. Um, we have what else here? I can, I can tell you already right now. So you're going to have Stellar go up to 20 cents. You're going to have Litecoin probably go up to $150 here by the end of May. You're going to have uh, XRP probably hit 42 cents. You're going to have um, what else? What else? We have Monero probably going to have Monero at $125 by then. These are all gimmies like Zcash is probably going to be at 85. You're going to have all these numbers that I'm giving you right now. Those are going to be the prices by the time we get to the end of May. And yes, this is what you would call quote unquote chilling, right? People don't want to know like, oh, what is Carlos holding? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, what's what car doing? What is he doing? This is what I'm doing. These are the ones that I'm buying. I'm not buying Tron right now. You don't want to buy Tron <laughs> at this price. You don't want to buy, you know, EOS. Well, maybe EOS a little bit. <laughs> you don't want to buy Binance Coin at $20. You don't want to buy NEO at $13. You don't want to buy IOTA at $0.36. Cents. Will they be around? Maybe. May, I guess, right? You know, people love CZ, but do you love them enough to go give them some money on Binance Coin? I certainly don't. <laughs> so it's really whatever you make it, ladies and gentlemen. It's really whatever you make it out there. Like uh, Dogecoin, remember when I got to a penny, uh, you know, in November and December? It's right now, it's three tenths of a cent. He's going to get to a penny again. Well, that's three X, you know? So, yes. There's some that will be around. Decred, is that going to get back to $50? Of course it is. Are you kidding me? People are calling it the silver to Bitcoin's gold now. That's a thing. <laughs> That's a thing that just happened here in the past, this, this whole bear market that we've been in. This is what I'm saying. You can either listen to all these Bitcoin maximalists tell you that everything's a scam. Don't buy any of these alts. Or you can listen to people that have actually made money, you know, you know, since 2015 in this space and tell you this looks like 2015 again, all over again. And these are the ones that are going to give you 2x, 3x here in the next month and a half if everything goes well. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything could go to shit. And if everything goes to shit, consensus is bad. You know, there's a bug in Bitcoin and it causes, you know, whatever, whatever. Like if this all happens then everything I said does not is negates everything. That's why you need to go out there and do your own research. That's why you need to go out there and look at these projects and study them. We've done a lot of research into a lot of these projects that I just talked about. We've every single project that I just mentioned, we've done an episode on. 
Seriously, I'm not even joking. We've done an episode, a whole main topic specifically on those projects. This is what I'm saying. If you're ever interested in finding out more information, there's information out there. You can either go to YouTube, right? And listen to these guys that'll tell you like, buy Tron, buy Tron, buy Tron, buy Tron, buy XRP, buy XRP. And, you know, they'll dump on you, right? Because that's what happens. XRP is probably the biggest, you know, coin out there that gets dumped on all the time. People will say, oh, buy it, buy it, buy it. And then what happens immediately is it goes up 10 cents, boom, you get dumped on. It just happens. That's just XRP. Tron, the same thing. People say, buy it, buy it, buy it. You get to four or five cents and then boom, you get dumped on. You're back down to two cents because you bought it at five cents. These, these are just reoccurring themes. Fucking red coins the same way. <laughs> it's been like that for the longest time. Usually around this time, this is when you start seeing people say, yeah, we're making our social wallet now. It's a scam. Red coins, a scam. That's what I'm saying. Like these, you're sorry, you're gonna start seeing these projects do this all over again. I'm not calling XRP or Tron a scam, I'm calling Redcoin a scam. But I'm saying you're gonna start seeing all these projects try to do something like that. I mean, look at this. We have Vest Chain up 224%. Is that not manipulated or what? Totally is. Totally is. Is that two cents? Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, go out there, buy some hard currencies. Don't waste your time on some of these. You know what I would call, I would just call them like, it's basically a developer's fund at this point. You know, when I look at Tron, I look at the, the amount of circulating supply and I'm just like, there's no way you're ever going to make a significant gain on Tron. There was when we, when we called it in December in 2017, there was a gain there, but that was from like two tenths of a cent <laughs> or whatever it was. And we made like fucking 20 cents on it. Like it was just like ridiculous, but that was during a bear mar- or bull market. It won't happen like that again, uh, at least not this year. So these are the ones I'm telling you to get here soon. Um, they'll, they'll give you a 2x if everything goes good through consensus. But if not, then you have yourself a pretty good currency, a hard one at that. All right. With that, let's get into our main topic. Today, we're talking NFTs with Zachary Burns. Let's do it.
I will say right now, none of this is financial advice. If you're going to invest in NFTs, do so at your own risk, not mine. And above all else, do your own research. Don't trust me. Don't trust me. I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. All right, I think that's it. I guess now we can begin. main topic today we have on zachary burks from mintable app hey zach hey thank you car i appreciate coming on and uh being able to talk with you about nfts they're the future man i know i know uh so you're an expert in nfts can you can you just explain to the audience uh what exactly is an nft i'm pretty sure we all have a good idea but just your just your kind of simple <laughs> explanation about what it, what it is and why it's important Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, NFT is an abbreviation for a non-fungible token, and it's a type of token that's on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, We have tokens out there that you find on Binance and, you know, uh, Coinbase that you're you're buying, and these tokens are ERC-20 tokens, whereas NFTs are a special type of token called ERC-20. 721. And this is all getting really technical. And a really easy way to understand it is NFTs or ERC-721 tokens are basically your crypto kitties. That game where you have some collectible item or a cat uh, as a token, that is what an NFT is. It is a way to have a unique token and not a million of the same tokens. Right. And so that's a really quick and dirty run through. We'll get into it more specifically in kind of the possibilities uh, but if if you're familiar with CryptoKitties, then you pretty much should get it. And if you don't know what CryptoKitties are, then it's like a game where uh, you have this uh, asset, which is a token, and that token is a cat. And there's a game built around where you you know make new cats and sell your cat because it's rare. It's kind of like you know it's a collectible, um, and that's all powered via NFT tokens. Because if we don't have a token that is non-fungible, allowing it to have unique data, then you're, ne- you're never able to you know, create something that has characteristics. And so CryptoKitties actually created the NFT standard. Uh, their project, uh, their founder and the company behind their project, um, he put together the ERC-721 standard for uh, Ethereum. And that's what is approved and everyone has been using thanks to CryptoKitties. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember all the the rage it was back then. <laughs> it feels like so long ago, but uh, I think I have a Crypto Kitty somewhere. I'm sure a lot of people do as well too. Uh, I remember, I remember they were saying that there were only going to be like so many first generation kitties or generation zero kitties, and uh, eventually they just kept adding more and more and more. I don't even know if my kitty's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's definitely something that uh it, it was cool like i remember spending like a good 24 48 hours just obsessed and uh yeah it's pretty interesting what did, what did you think about how all that kind of kind of came on the scene and just kind of shaked everything up um well you know interestingly enough i like to say i was the first person to make money on crypto kitties uh, oh really 
Yeah, the way the way CryptoKitties came out was there was a hackathon at it was the ETH Waterloo Hackathon. It was at Waterloo University in Canada, and I'm from California, so I was not at this hackathon, but I saw the live stream, and I'm watching the live stream from home. And these this team presents their game CryptoKitties for the hackathon, and they said, "Hey, if、uh, you guys have time between hacking." Play the game, and and we have some prizes. If you get the first cat with googly eyes, you get one ether. If you get the first cat with stripes, you get one ether. Right? And they're just—it was the beta, and they're just trying to get people to play to find the bugs. And I immediately saw that, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, awesome! I want to play a game. And you know, I, they didn't expect that people were watching the live stream. So once I once I reached out to them after I won like the first two prizes because it was、oh, wow. me like twenty there was only like twenty people right and I was just sitting at home I wasn't programming I wasn't at a hackathon so I had the time to play it、um, and I reached out to them and I was like yeah I won your prizes and I'm like oh that's so great where where are you at that the hackathon let's meet up I want to talk <laughs> to you yeah and I was like、uh, I'm in I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> So、uh, that's that's my little story about kind of being one of the first yeah beta testers to make money on、uh, CryptoKitties. But what I think about the game overall is I think it's a cool it's a cool concept, right? It, 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 that's what it was. It, it was made. They created a, a they they needed to figure out how do I make a, a collectible? How do I make a cat? Give it googly eyes and pink fur? And how do I make that a token so that I can trade that to another account and have value? And so, because of that, you know, we're very grateful because it created NFTs. But one thing that it did create is, and the reason why it was so popular, the reason that you and I were both playing it for twenty four, forty eight hours, was there was an economic incentive built into the game. Right? There's an economic game model built in to give value to the collectible, the, the, the NFT that they make.、Mm-hmm. And this is something, and this is something we see across every game now. Um, where every game has to build in their economic value behind the NFT to provide some sort of—I I don't want to say fake, but essentially some fake value—so that users want to buy this token, this asset, this digital item.、Uh, so I, that's what I don't like because, well, CryptoKitties was a unique idea. You breed a cat, the cat has genes, and it, and those genes, you know, form a new cat, which could then be even rarer. That that was cool. But now you have things like crypto goldfish or crypto shrimp, right. right? And 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 when you look into the economic model, it's very similar to either like a Ponzi 2.0 or it's very similar to just some sort of cash grab. And you can tell there's no real value behind this non-fungible token. And so that's one of the things that I don't like about the current ecosystem. And some of the things that we've been working on is improving that. And You know, in fact, within six months, the ecosystem for NFTs is going to be a completely changed ecosystem. What we have now is when you go on the largest exchange to buy these non-fungible tokens. When you go to those exchanges, you're only going to see game items. You're going to see your Crypto Kitties, your MLB baseball cards, your Gods Unchained cards, and and these are all great projects, right? Those are all awesome. They're good games. They have user bases. That's great. But that's all you see, right? The potential to put information on an NFT is so limitless that there is 
uh, amazing things you can do with it. I have a paper published on using 721, so non-fungible tokens on Ethereum, uh, to do food traceability with IoT devices, allowing for an item to be, say you're growing a strawberry, and that strawberry, as soon as it's planted, you make it NFT for that one strawberry or that, that crop of strawberries, right, if you want to be efficient. And you say, oh, okay, well, it's been a week. We've added this many pesticides. We've added this much water. And as the history of that strawberry goes on until it's ready to be picked, you have everything recorded on the blockchain as a single asset. And then when the farmer picks that and sends that over to the processing facility, the asset is transferred like a token. And now you know that the ownership has been transferred with all that data attached to it. And so at the very final stages, right, Walmart could be trying to buy from a distributor of strawberries. And this is far down the future, but maybe they buy it as an NFT, paying in some crypto payment. And now they have all that information attached to that asset that they just bought. And there's real world value because it's a real world item. And it's not some economic incentive that's built in around this you know, game. And that's one of the things that, that, that bothers me about our cryptos, like our, our current state of the crypto NFT ecosystem is the fact that it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of scammy, right? It's kind of just economic yeah. incentives. And, and we need to have inherent value and not some programmed value where you're programming the value because your cat is rare. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's very interesting how you kind of compared CryptoKitties and then kind of had all these clones that just kind of happened, right? After there was a crypto dogs or crypto puppies and just pretty much anything at this point is a, is a copycat of crypto kitties. Um, I hear a lot of talk about in-game assets. That's like the thing that everybody, especially with, I don't know if you heard about the whole engine um, wallet and uh, release and Samsung and the whole coin and how it like, you know, you know, went up significantly and a lot of people made money. But what I got out of that was, Okay, it sounds like to me that there's a lot of people looking at this in-game asset that is is that a, a, a NFT that is right, or am I looking at completely wrong? Uh, no, 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 no. It's it's technically a non-fungible token, but it is a different standard. So the engine uh, they have their own standard, the one one five five standard, and this allows for it's it's very similar to the same. ERC-721 standard. Now, when I'm talking about standard, I'm talking about like the style of code. So this is for programmers, right? All okay. you need to know is it's like the difference between a normal car and a hybrid car, right? There's a difference in the design of how the car is made. So, but their standard is slightly different. So while they are still non-fungible tokens, they have their own standard that they created, uh, which they're trying to get people to adopt. And the in-game items has a lot of potential. That is one of the like home run digital use cases for NFTs in the early stages, because it's very easy for World of Warcraft or you know like RuneScape or any of these really large games that have a consistent following to be able to just say, hey, you know what? I think we're going to make our items as an NFT. And as soon as Fortnite, World of Warcraft, any of these companies, right, makes any sort of item as an NFT, you know, all, uh, even if only most of the revenue comes from 1% of the users, right? That's how freemium models work is 1% of their users are actually giving them 99% of the revenue. And even if they only have 1% of that 1%, they're still going to be making millions of dollars in volume from selling those in-game items. And it's a perfect use case because it allows for me to say that this is my sword 
and I got this sword in a raid and I'm going to take this sword and I'm going to sell it to you in two years time because it's like a really good sword or something. Right. And it, it, and that, and that's a, that's a good use case. Um, but that's not something that we're really seeing right now. I think the closest thing we're seeing is with wax, uh, they're selling skins. So like, um, you know, just like, I think CSGO skins for guns or, uh, skins for your character. And, um, these are, these are, this is a step forward, but we have to have that large company. Uh, if, if an indie game company that just started and has no followers and no users decides to do an NFT, that's awesome. But if there's no users, then it, there's not much of an impact. And it, the question then comes is, okay, well, then how do we get World of Warcraft or Fortnite or PUBG? How do we get these games to, to build on Ethereum, right? And Engine is approaching that by, uh, you know, they have a development suite they just released for Unity to allow game developers to, to build on uh, their 1155 standard. And this is this is good. This is like this is the progress that we need to be able to get into that gaming uh, industry and to try to open the doors so that indie games can come in and indie games to say, hey, we're going to make a game. Let's use that that the development package on Unity from EngineCoin, and we'll be able to have everything done in EngineCoin. Although, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, although one of the main issues again comes to adoption. And if we want World of Warcraft or PUBG or any of these games to be able to say, hey, we're going to use this or we're going to use the engine standard. The problem is, is engine coin has built in because they're an ICO, right? And and they have their own token. They've built in their own model where you need to have their token. And so this is something that I, I, when people talk about adoption, I don't think they understand the actual user flow that it takes for a user to go from a non-crypto holder to interacting with a D app or, you know, using engine coin or using mintable or anything like this. Like the flow is, is like this, right? You have a, a, a mom on Facebook, they see an ad for a crypto app. They go to that app. They have some, they have some weird pop-ups says you need MetaMask, right? Some weird extension, which is already kind of sketchy, but they're, they're, they're a mom on Facebook. They're not too concerned with security. They download MetaMask. Right. They download MetaMask, they see all these random strings of numbers, they don't know what's going on. Then they, they, the website provides them a guide. It says, once you have MetaMask, just submit your transaction. They try to submit their transaction and it says there's no Ether. So they're thinking, oh, wait, I got to go buy this cryptocurrency Ether. And we're assuming that they already just magically know this and they haven't had to research this, which you know that they would. And most of them would not even get this far because they have to research it. But so then, then they have to go to Coinbase. They sign up on Coinbase. How long does it take for that to happen? Maybe you know, yeah. a day to get everything, your bank account set up. Then they have to make a decision. Okay, I'm going to put $50 or $10 in and buy some Ethereum. Right? Then they have to wait for that transfer. Now it's been three, four, potentially five days, depending on how they transfer their money to Coinbase. And then how long Coinbase holds their funds to release it so they can transfer it to their wallet. Now it's five to six days later, and they're finally getting their funds in their wallet. And now they can go back to the D app and interact with that. How many yeah. times on the internet have you waited six days to use a website? Never. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, and then, and then, if you want to make it even more complicated, tell that Facebook bomb, "Hey, go to Binance real quick, buy Engine Coin, and send that back over, and then use yeah. Engine Coin in your transaction." Right. That's just a whole other two or three day process to it. 
Um, so with our project, like we have no token, we have no ICO. And so tell us, yeah, tell us about your project, uh, Zach, because it sounds like to me there's, you know, there's this open source route that we could go with, but, you know, that could hopefully open things up for everybody and it, it's interoperable with everything, right, going forward. And then there's this, you know, I guess, I guess you could call it private, uh, you know, project that EngineCoin's doing. Um, kind of tell us how yours fits in with that. Yeah, 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 definitely. So Mintable uh, at first was, we've, you know, we pivoted multiple times as, as our company grows, but Mintable first started off as a generator to let anyone make a 721 because you see all these crypto shrimps and crypto dogs and crypto kitties. And I was like, oh, I'll just make something so anyone can make their own smart contract, right? Because I'm a smart contract developer. So I do the code and then anyone else can just go there and just type it in and the code's already handled for them, right? It was a generator. After that happened and I made it, I was like, well, my users will be able to generate this 721. They need to manage it. They need to be able to interact with it, right? Because this is the other problem we have with user experiences. Once you have your digital item, your World of Warcraft game or your Crypto Kitty, how do you transfer that? If it's not integrated into your wallet, like CryptoKitties is because they're the largest, but if it's crypto dogs, it, they're not, right? How do you transfer that? It, it's complicated. So I was like, oh, I'll build a manager. And it just lets you manage everything you need to do from transferring to browsing to minting if you want to make a new one to uh, interacting with every function on a smart contract, right? So I built that out. And then I realized, well, okay, this is really useful. This is like my Ether wallet for 721s. Basically, it's, it's easier than my Ether wallet because you don't need an API. And if it's in our database, you could just type in the name, right? So you just type in God and then God's Unchained appears. You find the token that you want to interact with and every single function is listed there. There's no ABI and everything's within like three clicks. So that made me realize, I was like, wow, this, is, this has got a lot of potential. And what Mintable has turned into now is as we progress and built upon the different features and possibilities for our users, we went from a social media platform to uh, offering some sort of, uh, you know, exchange system with uh, fungible and non-fungible. And then finally, what we've settled on is now we are a digital files marketplace because we have proprietary technology that allows for you to upload a file as a 721, as an NFT. It means you can tokenize any file on your computer. So this podcast, we can tokenize. And whoever owns a token, so you can make 100 tokens for this podcast. And each one of those tokens has the podcast as a link in the token to download it, right? But only the person that owns the token can download that file using Mintable, right? So how it works is you would make 100 tokens with this podcast, then you would promote it everywhere. And you say, hey, for $1 worth of crypto, buy this token on OpenSea or Mintable. And Mintable is going to have its own exchange uh, in the full launch, but that's, all, that's a few months away. Um, so right now it's OpenSea. So you say, go buy this on OpenSea and for $1. And then once you buy it, you're able to download the podcast and that's yours. You have access to it. And then you also have digital verification that you bought it because you can show the blockchain transaction of you buying that asset. So for a podcast, you don't need verification, but you get your, your file. So now the question is not, do I want to buy this cat or this worthless dog? Because it's just a picture of a dog. It's, do I want to listen to Cars do podcast? Yeah, I love Car. I'm going to, yeah, 50 cents, a dollar, sure. That's normal. That's like what you pay on iTunes, right? And there's inherent value behind that token. 
And so that's what Mintable is now, is Mintable is a way for you to tokenize assets and files and a decentralized exchange to sell those. And that's what I mean when I say the ecosystem is going to change. It's not going to be these collectibles anymore. Instead, it's going to be either musicians' files, PDFs from authors, uh, photography, stock photography to code, from themes to websites is a digital files marketplace. And all that is powered as tokens via the blockchain. One of the, one of the ways that we'll be reaching out to people is events for meetups, crypto meetups. They can make tokens as NFTs, like uh, tickets, I mean, as NFTs, as tokens on the blockchain is a ticket. And then they post those for sale with crypto or give them for free. You can just transfer them. Right? You don't have to sell them. You can just give them away. And then that gives you, if it was a really cool, say, blockchain week in New York, right? a really big event or consensus, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right, something big like that for 2018 or 2019, now you have a ticket stuff, just like how there's people that have those photos of the Woodstock ticket stuff that they have right? yeah. from going to Woodstock. And it's a digital record. And that could be worth a value. So maybe you bought the ticket to go to the event, but two years down the road, some collector wants to buy that for some reason and it's still in your wallet because you know you didn't transfer it. It, it takes money to transfer it, so you just left it there. So this, these are some of the use cases and potentials of a new marketplace, a new ecosystem around 720 watts. And there is no kind of scammy economic model at all built around it because it's, it's just files, right? It's whatever the value of the file is. If there's a textbook that you have and you upload a textbook as a PDF and that's your token, whatever the textbook's value is on Amazon is the value of that token essentially, right? Maybe you're going to give a discount because they have to buy it in crypto, but it's no longer something where you look at that cat and you're like, wow, am I really going to pay one ether for this picture of a cat? But no, it's right. It's, it's, am I going to pay one ether for a textbook that normally costs me five ether? Right. Right. You know, you know, I will say Zach, I will say that you're, you're probably, really really early <laughs> and and you know and you know and it's probably just because you're such just by hearing you know just by us talking here for about i don't know 30 minutes or so but i can kind of get the feeling that you're really like you see the future man like and you're racing towards it and you're probably ahead of everybody else and it's just gonna take people just to catch up to you <laughs> and and i'm looking at your app and it's like yeah, it, it makes total sense. Like, why would you not want to create your own token for, you know, to get into a conference or for whatever, you know, digital uh, item that you have that you want to sell? And then you it, it's all provable and there's smart contract around it. It makes a lot of sense. And it it seems like to me that you've thought a lot about this. How long have you guys been working on this? What, what's your team looking like right now? We have a we have a team of five. Uh, we have two developers, me and uh, another blockchain developer. We're both blockchain uh, and JavaScript developers. Uh, and then we have, you know, business development, marketing, legal counsel, things like that. Uh, we've been working on this since August. From It was just me last August. I came up, I started coding it, right? That's why it looks so ugly is because that was just me. We didn't have a designer. Um, and, you know, like I want to reiterate is... On the 15th is when we're launching our beta and the beta has a complete redesign and it, it looks really nice. Very similar to like how kind of a Coinbase PayPal book is much, much better. Very mobile friendly. Um, so if you know, you're listening to this and you go to mentable.app and you see like an ugly purple black thing, that's the <laughs> alpha. Just, just, just relax and wait a few, a few days. It's not that bad, Zach. It's not that bad. <laughs> 
Oh, it is. But I mean, but overall, it was great because within the first month of launching it, we had a thousand users and we've generated over a hundred smart contracts on the blockchain that are NFTs. That's we've cool. had, yeah, we've had nano satellites tokenized. So, you know, you put out these really small satellites in the space and there's thousands of them. And we had a, a satellite hobbyist tokenize these nano satellites. And then because of that, we've actually communicated with NASA on trying to tokenize the New Horizons spacecraft. The New Horizons spacecraft was flying past this really far planet, Ultimate Thule, and we wanted to give them an NFT and a private key and a wallet and be the first spacecraft to have digital assets. Yeah, yeah, it was really awesome. So there's a lot of interest in Mintable, and you're right, there's a lot of use case, whether you're a farm or whether you're a, a private business or you're an event or you're a YouTuber or you're a podcaster, it really doesn't, you, it doesn't matter. You can, even if you're nothing, if you're a graphic designer, you can make a, a picture of a cute character and make a limited edition, just make 25 of them. And that's all you ever make. And, and just sell those 25 and post them for sale. It doesn't hurt to post them, right? It's not like right. you don't have to pay a, a fee and then, Maybe in a week, you look at your wallet and boom, someone bought it. Now you have crypto in your wallet from nothing. You've generated crypto from nothing, basically. Yeah, it, it almost seems like it almost seems like to me the smart play would be to like go to like a Weebly or go to like a, a, a Wix or a Squarespace and offer them this kind of uh, third party, you know, tool or something and where, you know, different designers and like you said, different podcasts, different YouTubers and other, you know, social media people, they can automatically just kind of roll this stuff out into their page. I don't know. That's just something that when you said that, I was like, that's a great idea. We actually are doing that. We have an SDK that allows for any website to use our smart contracts, all of our code. You don't have to worry about the blockchain. You don't have to worry about the Ethereum connection or the wallet connection or any, it's all handled from us. You literally put in like three lines of code into your website and then you pass in whatever information that you want to tokenize, like you know whatever your user has put in, you just give it to us, and then it, it makes the smart contract and everything for them. And it's super easy, and that's going to be coming out with our beta as well. That's the SDK that's yeah. free or that's cool. paid. So yeah, it's awesome, man. And you know, you're right. I am early in terms of education is very important. Not a lot of people really understand what an NFT is, let alone that they can actually have their own business selling, you know, business cards as NFTs or advertisements as tokens that they airdrop to wallets, right? There's there's so many possibilities. And so coming out and talking about it is really important. And people asking questions and just having someone say, can I make this as a NFT? Can I tokenize this? That is the most important thing because it's just me. I'm limited, right? I, I, I rack my brain for ideas and I can never come up with enough ideas of what you can make. I, I you know, if we have a thousand people all coming up with different ideas because they want to make money in some way, shape or form, we're going to see the most unique use cases that we've ever seen because it's literally endless. So it is early now, but I think as long as education comes on, I think there's going to be a big wave a lot of people also think that uh, NFTs are the next big wave of adoption because it yeah. can spread like a wildfire. I would say like for me, like just understanding NFTs just on a basic level, you know, it, it, it makes sense. Like you said, all that stuff. And, and, but I, I would say like just the, the other part that you mentioned, the actual, um, you know, creating this or creating that, and then that's an NFT and then selling them or, you know, we're giving them away, whatever you want to do with them. Uh, that's something that I didn't know. Like I, I didn't know that. Uh, so I learned something new today. I'm sure everybody else did listening to this right now. 
Um, yeah, so I think you're right. I think it's just education. I think it's just going out there and talking to people and just kind of spreading uh, the gospel, right, as they say. Um, I guess my question would be, like, if if NFT is the next big wave, right, or one of the next big waves, say, like, I don't know, say Google, new new gaming platform they're coming out with, say they, like, you know, implement NFTs or or who knows, right? Like, what, what do you think the magnitude of of that would be to the whole crypto space do you think that would well increase in price of course but do you think that would just kind of change everything the way we look at things could this be used on other platforms other than just ethereum like would you see copycats around like how would this kind of work well uh i'll put it to you this way right ethereum is the largest and it's the most established right now so if you have a company like PUBG or fortnite and they say, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to do NFTs. They're going to pick Ethereum, right? They're not going to pick Tron. They're not going to pick EOS just be, because they're an established company and they need something that, that that has been stress tested, that has other things very similar that they can deal with what they're trying to do, right? The scalability issues are not really a problem. For a company like Fortnite, running your own sidechain, like uh, very similar to like the Loom sidechain situation uh, mm-hmm. is very simple and easy. So, but when you have something like Fortnite and they have said, we're going to do NFTs, the number of users that are now going to be required to be interacting with Ethereum or crypto in general is massive, right? You're going to have millions upon millions of people signing up to exchanges around the world because they have to buy $50 worth of crypto so they can buy X, Y, and Z from, you know, Fortnite. Yeah. And what do you think is going to happen when you just have a massive rush of people and they're using it for the utility, right? They're using it just to buy, they just need it to get their game item. And it's just like the uh, black market game markets that we have now where you can buy like World of Warcraft gold illegally, right? Stuff like that. Those are still really big markets and they do millions of dollars. And those are like underground, right? They're not supposed to be there. They get shut down all the time. So when you have something that is above ground and you have Fortnite and they're pushing it, they're advertising to use their NFT, uh, it's just going to be massive. You're just going to see so many people. You're going to see so much discussion about it. You're going to see so many guides and educational materials about it. Um, Even MLB. MLB handed out NFTs at a Dodgers game in the LA stadium. In yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Right. And so think about like that is that's 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 still very small. It was only like forty thousand people. But that's if something like that were to be happening at every single baseball game, every single time, the number of new users is going to be growing so exponentially, it's gonna look just like the growth of the internet. And if you pull up the two graphs already, you'll see that the growth of cryptocurrencies and crypto users matches the growth of internet users and internet growth oh does it really interesting yeah it does yeah you could you could look it up so i think honestly as soon as we have something like that that that's that's how the next wave of adoption comes in it's either something like that or there is just a whole new industry that pops up very similar to airbnb and uber right there was no industry for driving your own car for passengers but once it popped up it just spread like wildfire so do you think there'll be like a, like, you know how there's a Coinbase, we have a Coinbase that has, you know, sells all the crypto assets, but do you think there'll be something like that, uh, that is um, very much like Coinbase with selling all these NFTs? Is that what Mintable is going to be? Or how is that? 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to be is we're trying to be mintable like home for your digital items. Because right now, regardless if you want to make anything, if you have an NFT, mintable is the easiest way for you to transfer that NFT or to interact with it, to browse it. If you have God's Unchained cards and you pull up God's Unchained on mintable, you can see every single card, browse them all. In the beta, you have a profile that saves everything. It has your history. You get an email copy of every single thing you do. It's it's the easiest and smoothest way to manage and interact with those digital items. But we're also going to be in an exchange. But not a normal exchange either. That's something people think when, when we think crypto and exchange, we're going to be very similar to like what eBay would look like because we're selling files, right? We're not selling tokens. Gotcha. We're selling yeah. items. Yeah. And so I think... I think in the future, yeah, people are going to come to Mintable because they have a file that they're looking at, which you can only see on Mintable, or they're going to be selling something to make money on Mintable, or they're creating something on Mintable. And when they have any of those items, they have to use something to manage it. And Mintable helps you manage that without having any security risk. We don't we don't know anything about your private keys. It's extremely safe. There's nothing wrong that can happen if our website gets hacked to your crypto. Right. If our website gets hacked, your crypto is completely safe because we don't touch anything like that related to your keys. So there's absolutely no reason why Mintable won't really be the home for your digital items. As soon as people start having and need a really quick and easy way, to be honest, since I made Mintable, I have not transferred a 721 with anything else other than using Mintable because it's literally so easy. And I wish you had like a... Yeah, I wish you had video because I could show you a GIF. Like within 30 seconds, you can make a smart contract. And within three seconds, you can transfer that token to someone else. Gosh, Zach, you got me bullish on NFTs now. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you know what? You know, if you ever if you ever become really, really big, I'm talking about like Coinbase big worth billions. Right. I, I want I want somebody to make like a little I don't know. I guess it could be a phone, but. It, it just I, I feel like we need a little like device like a pokedex or something where we can keep all our nfts or keep all our cryptocurrencies and it has nfc on there and we can trade amongst each other and we can i feel like there needs to be a device that does that just kind of like a, a like a, a pocket watch or something I, I don't i don't know do, do you do you ever think about any hardware stuff like that or do you ever wonder like what that's going to look like in the future or is that just going to be done through apps like how is that going to work because I see it, I feel like no, I feel like that's the future, right? Like a hologram or something. I don't know. Yeah, like a Pokédex. No, that's a great idea. Literally a Pokédex with all your your you know NFTs on it. Um, but to be honest, I don't think that we'll ever have an individual device. Uh, we were just at a conference, and one of the questions that we asked Vitalik, uh, you know, the creator of Ethereum, yeah. we asked him was about mobile wallets because right now, if you wanted to do something on one app. And then have it open up your Coinbase wallet to make your payment. You can't do that, which makes no sense because if you're in one app and you want to make a payment, Apple Pay will pop up, right, to make yeah. your payment for you, right? But you can't do that with crypto. So once that gets solved, that's probably what's going to happen. Is you're just going to have an app that's going to be your NFT Pokédex or your NFT hardware wallet. Uh, is it's going to be on your phone or maybe these new generations of phones will have a hardware wall built in and most yeah. of them will support NFTs. I mean, it's a great idea. And I bet you if there was a larger market size of current NFT users, you can make a Game Boy lookalike that only displayed your NFTs. so cool, dude. I know. And yeah. everyone at home would love it. That would that'd be so oh, cool. It really God. would be. 
It'd be the movie is so cool. Collectible, like <laughs> you guys should totally when you guys start when you guys start launching, like you guys should totally build one and like th- throw it like on our Oz Raspberry Pi or something. I'm sure that could be built, right? Like, or am I just not thinking? This no, right no, way? it could. It, it, it could, it's right? easy. It's, yeah, it's okay. very easy to build. Yeah, it's. I mean, no, that's super easy, man. It's uh, and yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah, I hope someone does it. And if someone doesn't do it, then you know, here's here's just one other use case, just to open your eyes. Take yeah. that idea. Write it down, tokenize it on Mintable, and now, <laughs> now if you file if you file for a patent, you can use that as your public verification of disclosure of your patent idea. That's right? awesome. Uh, no, that's a freebie for everybody out there. If you guys wanted to create that, <laughs> just make sure to send me and Zach one. <laughs> yeah, that's, please. That's, cool. that's really cool. Uh, that's really awesome. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, so what 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 have you guys got built for the rest of the year? I mean, I feel like we learned a lot about NFTs, but what are you guys working on? I know you have the beta launch coming. And then uh, what kind of what are you guys looking at for the rest of the year? So beta has uh, profiles, some added things for features like users wanted to bashment. Um, so we have profiles, we have new smart contracts that are upgraded. Uh, we have improved the manager for 95% of all ERC721 contracts. It will work automatically. Um, so we've done that in the beta and that's coming out in like two weeks on the 15th. Uh, after that, we are working on the full launch and the full launch is a decentralized exchange our file system will be online where you'll be able to upload uh, and tokenize files. And then the authentication system for all accessing and viewing all that will there be, uh, be online. And the exchange itself will be, you won't even know it's a DEX. Like you won't know it's a decentralized uh-huh. crypto exchange. It's, it's going to look like eBay and you're just going to see like my music album for sale, buy with $5. And then MetaMask will pop up and you send $5 at ETH and now you're downloading a music file, right? And you just right. use the DEX. And so that's what uh, that's what the full launch will be. We've got multiple partnerships. We partner with OpenSea. We partner with Zastrin, which does like uh, blockchain courses and they tokenize their course. So if you buy their token, you get access to their content. Um, so we have bigger partnerships that are coming out as well. Uh, and we've been just kind of trying to grow as a company so that we can kind of offer services quicker. We want to expand our design team because that's where I lack. I'm not a designer. So we want, to, we want a strong design team because UX and UI is very important to us. Um, yeah, we're trying totally. to capture a new market. And uh, like I said, in six months, we'll have a whole new ecosystem of NFT items. That is going to be a whole new way. You're going to be browsing, looking like, what is this? What is that? Oh, my God. Who did this? Wow. You know, you know, it, I could totally see myself, you know, kind of go on there and just start buying up just random, cool little fungible, non-fungible tokens. That, that'd be nice. And then just, you know, have them on my phone and show them off and stuff <laughs> and give them away. Right. That's cool. Yeah, man. You sound really passionate about it. Like I can tell, like just... You know, uh, a lot of times you hear about people creating something and um, I'll talk to them at conferences or wherever podcasts and you can tell like there's some of them that are like, you know, that are just a lot more passionate, just work a lot more harder than others. And you sound like one of those dudes, too. So, yeah, I can see big things, Zach. That's that's awesome. And we'll definitely check in later this year, too, when you got it all up and running. You have to come back on the show and talk about it because it's really cool. Absolutely, man. Hey, I appreciate just even chatting about NFTs and being able to share. You're right. I am very passionate about them because I like it. they're the next wave of adoption for us crypto users and they're going to help us out in so many ways. So yeah, I just love right. to be able to talk about it. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Zach. If uh, more people want to reach you, check out Mintable.app. We'll put a link in the show notes. And if there's any designers or, or developers out there looking to contribute in some way, I'm sure Zach would be open to hearing from you. Uh, Zach, you yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, man. We're trying to grow, so uh, yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing quite a bit of interviewing too. So uh, yeah, no, thank you. Check it out, Mintable.app. The 15th of April, the beta will come out with a really nice, pretty design with more functionality. So, uh, like I said, if it's ugly now, just give it a few days, and it'll be pretty <laughs> on the 15th. And uh, yeah, you'll 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 hear more about if you're if you're into crypto, you'll hear about Mintable for sure. We have um, you know we have big plans and uh, we have good partnerships to be able to spread the word and and hopefully we will uh, increase this ecosystem for NFT users. And if you don't know what an NFT is, and after listening to all of this and you're still confused, um, there's a lot of great material on our medium about NFTs that you can look at. Or uh, if if you want. Go look into one of these games and get yourself an NFT. Go get some cards for Gods Unchained. It's like Magic the Gathering or go get a Crypto Kitty, right? Or go to Mintable and make yourself something, whatever you want. But play around because they're the future and they're definitely something that you should get familiar with. Yeah, most definitely. And when you build that exchange, I'm going to take my Crypto Kitty and trade it on there. <laughs> get something <laughs> else for it. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, th- thanks again for coming on the show, Zach. Uh, we learned a lot about NFTs. And like I said, uh, can't wait to have you back on so we can talk all about it. It's going to be awesome. So Cool. Thank you, Car. I appreciate it, man. You have a great one. All right. And with that, let's get on to the end of the show. Another 
Crypto is Dunsies. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Zachary Burns. Every single one of you need to go out there and check out mintable.app. Links in the show notes. Make sure you give him a shout out on Twitter. Like that guy taught us a lot today. Thank you so much. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, when you're going out there, make sure you trust no one. Verify everything. If it looks strange, if it looks cool, it probably is. But verify it. And remember, by Bitcoin. Say it well. See you tomorrow. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Killer Podcast with Car Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Car said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Never do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with a crypto and not car. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time.